0: I hope everybody had a great lunch. Some of you may still be consuming it, but uh, we'll get going with the question period right away. Next week's topic will be the future of sustainable food systems in southern Alberta, creating a progressive food policy. Now, speaker is Paul Hughes. Uh, That should be an interesting thing because as you all know, food is, uh, food is what we are. So we need to have some progressive food policies if uh, our health is supposed to be getting better. I also would like to announce that we have a little suggestion box out in the lobby where people can uh, put forward ideas of topics in the future. Before we get going on the question period, I'd like to introduce to you our current board of directors. Many of them are in attendance tonight today, so I'll just go through the list and uh, ask Board members to stand up as the name is mentioned. Uh, Michael Cormican, Susan Dakin, Jeddy Evangelista, I don't think he's here today, he's a busy man. Dustin Fuller. Georgie Harper, <laughs> Pano Karkanik, <laughs> Mark Nelson, Terry uh, Shillington is not here today, but he's, also, he's back on the board, and many of you would uh, know Terry Shillington, Kim Seaver. Is not here. Ian McKenna and Lisa Lambert is our go to person. The topic today Alberta MLA's dilemma party policy versus constituent wishes. Uh, I invite questioners to come on up to the mic, right by Lisa. Uh, try and be brief because I think there may be many questions today. Uh, you can give you a little give a little preamble of what your question is going to be, but uh, try and make it brief and uh, maybe only one question per person to start out with. Guy, can you come back up? Uh,
1: Mr. Boudelier, my name is Mark Sandilands. Uh, thank you for the very entertaining and uh, informative presentation of your uh, adventures over the summer. Uh, as the Chinese curse is, may you live in interesting times. <laughs> My question has to do with uh, what you're talking about, the the duty of an MLA to represent the wishes of uh, the constituents. Um, I'm wondering, a couple of years ago, uh, we heard from Fort McMurray that uh, many of the citizens, including the mayor and presumably the council, pleaded with the provincial government to slow things down in the oil sands development uh, Highway 63, I understand, is a nightmare. Uh, and uh, housing was driven through the roof in terms of prices. Uh, the, the other infrastructure things were stretched to the limit. So the mayor said to the government, can't you slow things down? Did you hear these pleas, Mm -hmm. and what did you do as the MLA representing that area uh, towards the provincial government?
2: Mark, uh, that is an absolutely great question, and the reason I say that is uh, I was then the Minister of Environment, and uh, I travel Highway 63 as an MLA on average 40 or 50 times uh, a year, and now with my 2-year-old even more concerned. And and I want to say that um, back at that time – um, I actually met with the, then, the previous Premier, and I met with him, and I said, Premier, um, I want to intervene at the Energy Utility Board. And that was at a time, I think, where there were spies and others all around in the Energy Utility <coughs> Board. And I said, uh, and first of all, Premier, I met with him in my office, or in his office, and I, I submitted to him my letter of resignation as a Minister of Environment, because I realized, as a Minister of Environment, How can you go to a quasi-judicial body? And the premier then, different premier, uh, Premier Klein, he said, You know what, Guy? You got to do what you got to do to represent your constituents as an MLA first. Because you can't be a minister until you're first an MLA. You go do your job as an MLA. And I went and I was the only minister in the history of Alberta to intervene at an Energy Utility Board. And in that message, and in that message, I want to say that I was uh, somewhat critical of the provincial government uh, relative to their slowness in, in responding to infrastructure as well as the, um, uh, the federal government, but also of industry relative to the fact that uh, they were taking an opportunity when the price of oil was $142 a barrel and they were giving out, living out allowances. And what it did was, if you can imagine, rents were on average $600 a month for a two-bedroom, and they ballooned to $2,600. For someone working at a Safeway or a Save-On Food or something like that who doesn't work for an oil company, their rents went through the seat, to the roof, and it was attributed to the industry with so much money contributing. And, and so what I did was I intervened. Uh, subsequent to that, a Ratke report came out. Uh, the twinning, the first 25 kilometers of the highway are being twinned, uh, or that is complete. And uh, I want to say that uh, $135 million bridge, uh, because of the delays in getting to uh, traffic and uh, two overpasses are being built. And one of the announcements in all of that Ratke report, the only one that they chose to actually decide to cancel was the long-term care facility. And so uh, I can only tell you that in my priority i indicated that the long term care facility was a top priority and it was not down with the infrastructure issues because i called it social infrastructure so to this day, uh, I want to say that uh, Premier Klein, I've always appreciated the fact, you may agree or disagree, but he said, you go do your job. And, uh, and then I came back and assumed my responsibility as the Minister of Environment the next day. A total different approach was taken on the approach I brought this summer with uh, representing my constituents. Thank you, Mark. Just a supplemental,
1: but they didn't slow down the development, did they?
2: Uh, no, they didn't. And uh, I actually want to let you know that I took the position... That um, in my judgment, uh, a a government saying let's slow down development, you didn't have to slow down the development if in fact infrastructure needs were being met as the development was going on. And I want to say up to that point, there was not one single infrastructure project going on in my constituency and, uh, and I brought that up to the premier. And uh, he responded accordingly with the Rathke report, which ultimately has seen now, I want to let you know, almost a billion dollars of infrastructure that has been spent there in the last three and a half years based on the tremendous growth. I think you can do both.
3: Got to bring this down for us short kids. Mr. Boudelier, I'd like to personally thank you for coming. It took a lot of backbone. To come here, but you're I don't think we should allow you to go away unscathed also. I want to know were you involved in setting up the company's corporations like CEMA, CMA, that was hired paid for by the Tar Sand Corporations to do the all the environmental work. All right? The politicians depend on the for for forgetfulness of man. I remember, if any of you over 50 remember the crucial fight that our ex-premier Klein had with the federal government to, to grasp the power of the environmental group. Same as Loheed, okay? But you, sir, was the environmental minister. Mm-hmm. You have absolutely had no input, obviously, because you have cre- allowed to be created the greatest environmental disaster in the world with reputation that no other country would ever accept. Secondly, one little question. I've asked politicians and representatives one bare question, simple and plainly, what the hell is our royalty for oil? What is our royalty for oil? It's reported we have blown over $200 billion in royalties that Albertans who supposedly own this oil don't ever have a say in. What is our royalty on oil? We know that the excuse they're using today is a drop in natural gas pipe. They don't even talk about the oil because they know they signed an agreement with the United States. We still have an Alberta representative, ambassador in Washington to hurry up the oil. Okay. What the hell is our, is our royalty that we've never had a say in? It? We're, we're supposed to be the owners. That's all. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you. My name is Frank Toth. Frank? Yes, you, you people saw me. They tried to kill me on the railroad track. I'm the same guy. And I'm glad the first statement you made, sir, that your daddy was a miner. Yeah. I'm still a miner that's trying to fight for the recognition of the miner in this bloody city. They built this city, and your government has not acknowledged it, our city of Lethbridge has acknowledged it, okay? Thank you for coming.
2: Uh, Thank you uh, for the question. SEMA, that uh, many of you may or may not be aware of, is the cumulative impact. It's where industry, government officials, aboriginal officials, and citizens at large come together to deal with the cumulative impacts of the environment based on what is happening in my home. I want to, first of all, indicate to you, you asked me the question of, what role do you play? SEMA are appointed by industry. They're appointed by government, they're by and they're not appointed by people. They're appointed by the elected officials. I um, understand all of the uh people that have been on SEMA and as you know some people have withdrawn from uh SEMA. Uh specifically the Pabina Pemina Institute have uh, withdrawn. But uh one of uh one of uh, my friends who is Chief Boucher, who lives right next to the proximate to the Suncor project, um which I intervened at at the Voyager project, um he sits uh, representatives on SEMA. I think what's happened is though it's very tough to move environmental uh, policy forward when you have 50 people that sit on a board and it's consensus-based. In other words, 50 people in the room basically have to agree that we move forward because of the general consensus, and there has never been a consensus relative. But I, I want to share with you one example. There was someone protesting an environmental group in front of my office about a year and a half ago, and they actually ended up scaling, uh, scaling the walls of a premier's dinner um, a couple of months later. You might have read about it. And, and actually, my wife was coming in to my MLA office uh, because it's been my home, Fort McMurray, for 31 years. And, uh, and it's interesting that uh, my wife, her son, was just, uh, just uh, one year old, and there were protesters in front of my office. And uh, they were an environmental group, and I came down, and the CBC and other television were there, global. And they were there, and they were saying, you know, shut down the oil sands. And the oil sands, and I looked at them, and I'm holding my son, Mark, and that's Mark spelled with a C, not with a K. Um, and Mark, I said, we've called our home, Fort McMurray, for 31 years. My son is one year old, and I tell you, there's some things that are higher than politics. My son breathes the air every day. He drinks the water he, the land that we enjoy in that area? I do not believe, sir, it is an environmental disaster, quite contrary to what the media have reported about my home. They don't talk about the, the 20 uh, um, acres of, of reclaimed land that is now roaming with over 300 bison that the Aboriginal community now heard on reclaimed land that oil was extracted from, and 30 years later, in actual fact, it is now reclaimed. And and so my son breathes the air, drinks the water. I am a politician, an independent politician today. And, and I can only say to you, sir, that uh, we breathe that air every way and we even have a more greater vested interest in the environment because it's our home and the industry is right next to our home. But uh, I can say to you, sir, without any fear of contradiction, that uh, we have a commitment to the environment. And I might add that the first province in all of Canada to have the first Ministry of Environment was the province of Alberta because I believe it reflects the values of Albertans.
3: What happened? Uh, I appreciate your words, but it, without question, your government and the federal government, who is aligned, uh, puppets of the oil company in the USA, have done absolutely nothing. For, to protect the environment you have allowed the oil companies to hire the people set up at people and and, and kill the Indian people in there. I read the story where you said you you, you ate the fish you was up there
0: sir. we have a lot more okay I'm problems. sorry
3: i can't I can't help it I, I read the book I read the book about the whole situation the true book only stupid to the last drop with your with your question and answers in there. And I, I, I charge you that you have abrogated your, 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 your position. Okay, so for the past the environment.
0: <clears throat> please uh, state your, question, uh, your name before you ask questions, please.
4: Um, hi, my name is Kaylee Rao. I'm a student here at the university. Um, my question has to do with uh, a night in May when Bill 44 was passed in the legislature. Premier Solmack said ahead of time that you'd have a free vote in caucus, but not a single conservative um, MLA voted against it, and close to half didn't actually show up to vote. I was just wondering, um, with the topic of your speech today, um, how is it representing your constituents if you don't show up to vote on such contentious issues? I think
2: a principle, first of all, as an, a role as an MLA, you're not there for every vote every day uh, because it's also called – it's your responsibility, but it also is how do you balance off your constituents in your home versus being in the capital in Edmonton? Especially like uh, an MLA down here, you have to drive four or five hours to get to where you have to get to. No different in Fort McMurray in in, uh, in the north. and And so you balance that off. It's always nice to occasionally see your spouse and to see your son and, and say hi to them as well. I'm being somewhat sarcastic. So I think each of us as MLAs elected, whatever political party, want to be able to say that they're representing their constituents uh, in a very important way on, on the votes that they, you believe are important to them. And, uh, and I can only say that I know in southern Alberta, uh, Bill 44 was an important hot topic and uh and i understand that and it's my understanding that MLAs in southern alberta were all there when it came to that vote at that time and uh and i'm not sure i'm sorry i don't know who was there and who was not from southern or central but uh, i do know that uh, each uh, of the MLAs in in their do duty, do their very best in, in terms of being to, doing from there relative to what it is. And uh, I know, uh, relative to Bill 44, it was not as hot a topic in northern Alberta as it was in, certainly in central and southern Alberta, like uh, what I've heard from many of my colleagues uh, in the legislature. Thank you, yeah. Thank you for the question. Hello, my name is Dustin Fuller. Um, in the Lethbridge Herald, there's been a lot of editorials and letters to the editor regarding healthcare care in Alberta um, and a growing consensus that it seems like healthcare in Alberta is being profit-driven and not care-driven. I wanted to know what your thoughts were on that, and secondly, what your thoughts are on the mission of uh, the Superboard. Yeah, I'm uh, first and foremost, um, uh, regarding quality of care is where it should be driven. And, and when I spoke earlier today, I talked about the integrity of her seniors when they grow older to be able to have essentially a long-term care facility that may be their final resting place, that I believe the government has a duty in terms of the quality of care, and I believe that you can still balance off quality of care with the dollars that are associated with it. I do believe that. Uh, regarding the issue of the Super Board, I want to say to you that I uh, do not support the super board and I do not need someone coming from Australia to tell Albertans what they have to do. Now I, I have to make a cautionary note about that. My wife's parents actually came from Australia, so please, I, I want to let you know. I'm looking forward to seeing my wife later today. <laughs>
5: My name is Tom Kane, and I'd like to say that your dad has an awful lot of wisdom in talking about common sense, a lost art in our society. Oh, my grandfather. Your grandfather. Okay.
2: Now, I'm not saying my dad doesn't have common sense, but
5: I... Okay, your grandfather. So the elders do have a lot of wisdom. Uh, I wish all politicians would follow your grandfather's adage that uh, common sense should still be there. I belong to a group called Green Sense, and we were saying, you know, often... The opposite of uh, common sense is, what is the opposite of common sense? It's nonsense. And all too often, that's what we get from politicians. We don't get common sense. We get nonsense. So I have a green question. Um, recently, the, the, the mayor, and I see that he has arrived, uh, Mayor Tarlick and city council voted in favor of asking the premier for a, um, a green renewable energy consultation. A study first, like they spent $250,000 on nuclear. What about $250,000 on green energy? Mm-hmm. And uh, and a consultation with Albertans. Well, we haven't heard what the consultation with Albertans uh, actually came up with in May on uh, nuclear. So um, how would we best get the premier and your former colleagues in the legislature to actually use common sense and... Can we really believe that they'll listen to the people? How would consultation with Albertans really go in Alberta? Is there anything we can do to hold the Premier accountable to become better at listening to Albertans and not just following his own views?
2: Well, I, what a, that in itself of what you're suggesting is the solution, but I, you know, having been a former Minister of Environment, I remember. uh, a gentleman by the name of David Suzuki, and like or dislike David Suzuki, I, uh, he, I, I call him my friend, and I always remember where he said that, you know, gee so often they talk about left and right and center and green, and, and he said, you know, at the end of the, the day, let's save labels, he said, for planets, not for people. Because when you label someone, you quickly disenfranchise them, saying, get ready to go over in your corner, get over in your corner, let's come together and fight. I don't find that to be a real useful sense of energy. And, and so what you're really suggesting is about a dialogue, a dialogue not only about green, but also a dialogue about long-term care and about seniors and what they deserve, I don't believe today there is a dialogue on these important issues, and I believe that the leadership ultimately has to change its approach. And I think Calgary Glenmore sent a message to the Premier saying, your approach that you're doing right now is not working. And, uh, and I, can only say, I, I can only say that I welcome that dialogue. I actually tried to have that dialogue, and you're, you saw the fate that I met but I can say I can look myself in the mirror every night and and, and say I believe I'm doing what I believe is right.
5: Thank you for doing that.
2: Thank you. I have to say, uh, Mayor Tulloch, uh, I want to say your worship... Uh, we had the opportunity. Uh, I had the honor and, uh, and privilege of serving as a minister of municipal affairs for four years. And, and I want to say to Mayor Tarleck, uh, certainly the recognition of him across North America and here in Canada. Uh, I want to I want to say how proud I am of him and his leadership and his council. And I'm sorry to learn that uh, he is choosing to finally listen to his wife and and uh, not reoffer. But I want to say the four years I had the honor of serving with you as minister of municipal affairs, Uh, the people in this great city should be very proud of your leadership. I sincerely say that.
4: I'm Bev mundell Atherstone and uh, we're very happy to have you here. Uh, I think it is really a brave, courageous act to continue as an independent and say things against this government. Um, I do have a question for you, and I was happy to hear about the dialogue so my question has to do with health care, exactly your point here today. So what you are experiencing in your hometown is actually happening throughout the province mm-hmm. In with the 300 long-term care beds mm-hmm. being dismantled now in Calgary and Edmonton and along with them their staff. And here in Lethbridge we're seeing long-term care beds mm-hmm. um, being taken away from St. Michael's health care facility and extended care is going to be losing Um, all their long-term care beds, and it's going to be replaced with the designated living facility. So I guess my concern is, as long as the conservative government has this ideology from the business model, which is using on health care, education, environment, and all other areas where you weigh out money with people, money with environment, money with education of children, as long as you're doing that. And you, I notice you have your BMA so you're, you know, you're, um, you're Masters of Business Administration probably. So you're coming from that background yourself. But I still want to ask you, how can we help the conservatives mm-hmm. to understand you cannot use a business model with health care Mm-hmm. and say that some people can die because we have to you know, just uh, cut, cut costs, the children don't need to be educated because we're going to cut costs, how can we change that from your perspective now as an independent but mm-hmm. having been an insider within this ideology? Mm.
2: Well, I, I want to say that um, uh, I recall a few months ago, Ron Liepert, the Minister of Health, was on CBC Radio, and this is not the plug, CBC Radio. And, and, in fact, as a conservative and now as an independent, to admit that you listen to CBC radio would be considered treason by most. Uh, by most. But I, I want to say that uh, I did. And, and he, had said, he had said this. He said, you know what, we want our seniors, and this is the Minister of Health, we want our seniors to stay in their home as long as they can. First of all, I think we all agree we want our seniors to stay in their home as long as they can. But when I had the conversation with them about, so when a lady stays in their home till she's 99 and now she needs some help, her family has certainly done that for many, many years, Ron, what's the next part of the plan? You just can't have your fingers crossed saying, we just want to go and balance a budget and forget about the families and the people. Because I, as an elected official, put faces. You can talk in very generic terms, about uh, policies, but at the end of the day, it's about people. And, and when I say people, any policy that a government uses, a conservative or whatever government, it's important to put it back to, to the people. So in the example I use, now there's only two ladies that are 101-year-old, and, and when one can really pose the question, you shouldn't make a public policy on just 101-year-old ladies that are just two of them. You, you make policy to deal with the, the general public as a whole. And I think this is where we, we are, in my judgment, at a standstill. I don't believe there is a dialogue that is going on. I think it's being driven from top down. I think some of the solutions lie right here in Lethbridge in terms of what it is we can do that can actually be sustainable, save money, and rather than some of this waste that we've seen in the past while. And, and so the question is, how do you take a business model? What you do is you take the policy and you look at it from, in terms of the family. You take whatever the policy is and go meet with that family. And what does that mean to them? Because what I have found is, and I, I know as a mayor I've found this, some of the ideas that politicians come up with, be it a minister or a premier, they've been talking about them in the lunchroom at City Hall or within the hospital for years. And the question is, how do you get that policy and that dialogue? Rather than being driven down by an Australian, maybe it's a good idea to start embracing those ideas. Because an idea is like a newborn child. It needs to be fed. It needs to be nurtured. It needs to be protected. And, and I believe right now there isn't a dialogue. I think it's top-driven down. I think it's not being met with a lot of, uh, a lot of um, uh, shall I say, acceptance by Albertans. And I think if the Premier is really wise and the Minister of Health are wise, they will begin to engage and have a dialogue with Albertans, as opposed to a super board that is floating around the province, coming in for an evening, having a chocolate cake reception, and then leaving saying, oh, well, we can say we met in Lethbridge. I think there's more to a dialogue than just simply that. Thank you. The name is Kristen Franken. I originate from Holland. You can vote there on 31 parties. You can pick number three off the list, not necessarily the leader of a party. I find what has happened to you an absolute unacceptable affront to the principles of democracy. And I can't believe that it's actually happening in Alberta. My question to you is, are you going to be as incensed to talk to your former colleague, MLAs of the same party, to make sure that we, as Albertans... Are not back 100 years ago, but that we really have a democracy where people like you and your colleagues or MLA and caucus can speak their own mind, mm. are you going to fight for us? Mm. Well, I, I want to say that I was in Smitty's in, my, in, in Fort McMurray the other day and a lady came up to me, an older lady, and she said, you know what, Guy, the Premier of Alberta took away my voice, not yours. He, I elected you to speak for me in the legislature, you'll get to do that, but he kicked you out of the PC caucus that I elected you to be in, and he took that voice away, and she said, I will never forgive him for that until he apologizes to you, but more importantly, that he apologizes to the people of Fort McMurray. That's what she said, and and what it really brings it back to is this, I will always talk to my colleagues, I will treat them with respect, because that is one of the principles that I believe Albertans have. But I believe you can be respectful, and I believe you can also be passionate about the issues. Because at the end of the day, there are three words that I try to model myself after, and they are be bold, be persistent, and be determined. And I think it speaks of a value that Albertans share with me.
0: One, One more question, please.
2: Well, this is not
6: really a question, except I admire your courage, and I wish Mr. Wheatley had the same guts to walk away. If enough of your uh, rural electric LMAs would do that, maybe the premier would listen. I, I uh, was on the executive for nine years in the senior center here. We have 33 in, LS, 100 in LSEO. We have 1,600 in Norbridge. And it's time that we seniors organized and start fighting for our rights. Uh are Clothing Long-Term Care, I've received many honors for serving as a volunteer, and I know that people are being turned away. My wife was held in a hospital in an active bed for 11 days because they didn't find room for her to put anywhere. In a way, I would like you to encourage you to carry on, and I would like to say all you people here, there's 39, 39, 5,000 seniors out there. We're all members and there 's another thirty another three five thousand there's another five thousand seniors, and we can swing the vote around and this is about our health. now The second part is hasn 't been mentioned, and that 's a cut of education i talk, I talked to the premier 's office yesterday, and uh, I said to hold Leftbridge at the same spending level for the next two years with five or six maybe eight percent more students coming in every year. That is one step backwards. In fact, it's it's disastrous for our young people. Grandparents are worried about, or we are worried about our senior care, and we're worried about education. And education, the university, and the schools, is the most important thing that we can do for our children. Thank, thank you. you very much. Yeah.
2: Well, thank you. I, I I'd like to, if I may, Canute. Uh, I'd like to just conclude with this. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was at a ministerial association where, uh, I, when I was mayor and now in, in uh, my role as MLA, we, we meet with the, uh, faith-based, uh, uh, group. And, and basically they pray for their elected leaders. They, they pray that, uh, for the wisdom for the mayor and council and, and their MLAs and their MPs. And I, I want to say that, uh, during that time, you know, we also, I have a two-year-old son. And and the future is about, as the gentleman talked about, you know, maybe the youngster that's at the University of Lethbridge may be the person who will become the scientist who will come up with the cure for cancer. Uh, I lost my mom when she was only 51 to a brain tumor. And and, and in doing so, it really was able to center me in, in terms of what what is really important, but I want to conclude in fairness to uh, our Premier and to all elected officials in the Alberta legislature no matter what political party they belong to each and every one of them I know work very hard no matter what political stripe each and every one of them I know spend long hours away from their families Uh, I know they travel a lot to be in the legislature I know they're good people and they work hard I know they deliberately don't want to look stupid. Uh, I, I do know that. I'm, I was one of them as well. But in the ministerial association, they were praying for their MLA and, and, and we, you know, in doing so. I was really pleased, though, they also prayed for our premier. Because I want to let you know that my two-year-old son, I want this province to be the best it can be. For when I'm gone and the premier is gone and others are gone. So it's in our interest for our political leadership to be successful in the governing roles that they have. And, and so I want to, in, in adding balance today, no matter what political stripe you represent, or even for those who are independents in here other than myself, um, just, you know, when we pray, I believe deep down that Ed Stelmach, no different than, than Bridget no different than Greg, no different than the mayor, no matter than anyone, that I know that they do want to somehow achieve what is best for our community, such as Lethbridge and wherever. And and so I, I say today, uh, Nelson Mandela once said, I am not, I'm upset with the premier, but I will never ever be so mad at him because uh, I, you know, the road I choose is in representing my constituents with my values. And, and, uh, and I can only say that if he recognizes he's made a mistake and he can change that, I think that's even a bigger man to do that. And, and that's what I only say to him. But I only ask you that you pray for all of us that sit, be it on a city council or in the legislature or in the federal parliament, because I can assure you we all need your prayers. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Hopefully you will come back uh, and support us again and learn some new things in the coming season. Uh, I just have to caution you. If you go to shake uh, Guy Boudelier's hand, shake his left hand because he uh, had a bull riding accident with his right hand. (laughs) Thanks again.